As you remain standing for the text that I'll read from, I'm turning to Luke chapter 15 as we consider this topic of joy. The joy of the shepherds that they had that evening when it was announced to them is also the same manner in which we get our joy. And I want to speak to you on heaven and earth joy. I'm going to read the entire chapter of Luke 15 as we consider the parables that are answering uh, the questions that are brought forth. Luke 15, hear the Word of God. Now as I read, I would like to encourage you to look for or hear words of rejoicing or words of joy in the text before us. Hear the Word of God. And all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all, journey, all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, No one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great Way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, 
he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Our gracious Father, open our eyes this day into that heavenly realm that we can rejoice and participate in the joy of heaven. We pray that Christ would give us understanding of Himself and all that He has already accomplished, all that He will complete. And may we live in the light of that eschatological hope and that you would strengthen our faith and that you would give us great joy in every circumstance of life, even through suffering. We pray that your spirit would now fill us and guide us and speak to us and pray that you would bring forth the fruit that would please you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today is the third Lord's Day in Advent, which is often referred to as Gaudete Sunday. The theme today, midway through this Advent season, is joy. We are called to rejoice. That is why this particular season of fasting that we call Advent, in preparation for the great feast of Christmas, is is not merely a parallel or analogous to Lent. For we come this day and we break some of that spirit with great rejoicing and joy. This week has also been associated with the shepherds as they heard the good news and rejoiced in what they found in Bethlehem when they went in search. When God became flesh, Jesus was born. Time and eternity and heaven and earth came together. The long-awaited Messianic King is now here. The kingdom of God has broken into this present world, and light has shined in the darkness. This season, we reflect back to that first advent in Christ, and yet we also look in anticipation to the second coming. On this Gaudete Sunday, we are called to rejoice and to be joyful. And yet there's so much trouble, suffering, and turmoil in the world. How does one rejoice in the midst of it all? And that's the point. Joy is a Christian virtue whose character is unknown to this world. Joy is what happens when God finally does something that people have been waiting for. Like the exodus out of Egypt. Like the building of the temple and filling it with 
the glory of God's presence. Like the return from exile out of Babylon back to Jerusalem. Like the building, rebuilding of the temple which was burned and broken. And of the temple walls or the city walls which had been destroyed. When God breaks through and does something, the people celebrate. It's a new day. Something new has happened. We've been in a mess down here for a long time. And when Jesus was born, something changed, and it is fantastic. God has done something in this world which calls for our joyful celebration. The joy of what God does, it continues because God has given it a new birth. God raised up Jesus from the dead. Jesus carried the fate of the entire world on His shoulders and He brought it through death and out of the other side of it. This is the beginning of the new creation. This is the beginning of the new heavens and the new earth where heaven and earth come together. The restoration of all things here. The new age has begun. And the new age has dawned, and we're heading toward the restoration of all things in the fullness of that. And yet the old age still continues, somewhat in an overlapping form with the new age. The new age is the beginning of a new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, where heaven and earth come together. And yet the old age is still going on where there is suffering and dying and sorrow, trouble, tribulation. The world still groans. See, as Christians, we live in the already, not yet, sphere. The kingdom of God has broken into the world already. Yet the fullness of that kingdom has not yet come. That will happen when Christ returns. And that is why this day we look toward that day with great joy and anticipation. The joy of the eschatological reality of the new age is ours to participate in today. And that's worthy of our celebration. That's what happened with the shepherds that night. But there's something wonderful in these parables, and why I turn to Luke chapter 15 today, that addresses joy. And one of the keys of having it in this life when troubles and sufferings come. See, while joy is a fruit of the Spirit of God, it's a heavenly virtue of God Himself. It is also something that God commands His people. And the nature of that principle is an exhortation to share in another's joy. The command to rejoice is to share in another's joy. But whose joy? It's heaven's joy. Christian joy is the participation in the heavenly world. The new age that has dawned. 
You know, this joy from heaven to earth is, is, is like contagious laughter, if you will. I remember watching some of those skits in the old days of Paul Harvey and Tim Conway. And this was a live theater that was going on before a live audience. And, and what was often the funniest was not the script. It was watching how Paul Harvey couldn't contain himself uh, because Tim Conway cracked him up and he pretty soon it was the laughter that was the narrative. Um, and as we consider how uh, laughter can just be contagious to the point that we don't even know what we're laughing about anymore, we're just joining in in the fellowship of rejoicing and laughter. I remember seeing a, a little skit at the Comedy Barn, which is a familial kind of place over in Pigeon Forge. And you can see it on YouTube if you have a desire after this illustration. But they brought some audience members up from the audience to perform a part of the skit, and that was going to be the funny thing. But one of the men got so tickled, he began to laugh, and his laugh was so funny that that actually became the new narrative. And the guy could not, who, was, who was directing the, the comedy skit, he started laughing. And they actually brought a microphone up to stick in front of this guy's face to let everybody hear the laughter. And, and that really was the point. There was no need to do a skit. If you wanted laughter and, and joy, there was that which was contagious. See, when you see true biblical joy on the earth, I mean the, the, the heavenly virtue of joy, it is because you've seen heaven communicating it to us. Joy comes from heaven to earth in a heaven-earth experience. The birth of Jesus was announced. It was such a wonderful message. The angels were rejoicing. And they shared the joy with the shepherds who ran off to Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass. But this would soon be followed by a, a shocking rejection of the Jews throughout the course of Jesus' lifetime. Israel had long awaited with expectation and joy the coming of their messianic kingdom. But when He came in such a shocking and unexpected way, many rejected it. They did not join in with the heavenly rejoicing. They never realized and experienced true joy at all. In Luke 15, we have three parables before us, all addressing a complaint. A complaint from people who lack true joy. You know, Luke has many scenes throughout his entire gospel where Jesus is feasting and partying with sinners. And here is one of them. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they grumble and they complain. This man welcomes sinners and he eats and he feasts with them. How could he be announcing God's kingdom? If he was really announcing God's kingdom, he would be spending time with us who are keeping the law and not with sinners and outcasts. 
in response to that spirit and that question, Jesus gives them three parables. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son, or perhaps two lost sons. The prodigal son, but also his brother, who the parable is as much about as the wayward brother. In the first story, the parable of the lost sheep, there was a sheep that was lost among the fold, and he goes out, and then the shepherd goes and he looks for the lost sheep. And he finds the lost sheep. And he rejoices in the finding of the lost sheep. And he comes back and he invites others to join him in the joy that he experienced in the lost sheep being found. And Jesus says there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 who need no repentance. In other words, when I'm sharing with you and feasting with and forgiving sinners, the angels upstairs are having a party. And we should be having a party down here too. And what He is joining is heaven and earth together. He's expressing the angelic joy in the midst of His celebration and feasting with sinners down here. He's saying, what I am doing is showing you the will of God on earth as it is in heaven, and how these two correspond to each other. The party down here is sharing in the celebration of God's court among the angels. Heaven and earth come together in joy. The second story is about a woman who lost her coin. Perhaps something very valuable to this woman. Maybe part of her dowry. And So she goes to searching for this coin in her house and she sweeps her house and she turns it upside down and she looks for it intently until she finds it. And when she finds it, she celebrates. But then she calls others into the fellowship of her joy. And he says and explains, even so, there is joy in the presence of God over one sinner who repents. In other words, what he's saying another time, same message through a different story, the angels are having a party, and so should we. Well, the third story is the well-known parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son did what was something that would have been very rude in his day to his father. It was like putting a curse on his father saying, hey, I wish you were dead so I can have my part. The father, astonishingly, he says, okay, fine, we'll, we'll sell the family farm and we'll divide up the portion and you can have your lot now. Here's your money, and he takes his money and then he goes on a far journey and he wastes everything he has in riotous living and sinful choices and It's not long that he comes to an end of himself and he's hungry. 
He has nowhere to go. He finally decides to go home. His father sees him a long ways off and is so thrilled, runs toward his son. So full of joy, he rushes down the street and falls upon the neck of his son. And he says, it's time for a party. Remember, this parable along with the other two are about why the party is going on. The father is having a celebration over the prodigal son, and therefore it is appropriate to do that now. This is another heaven and earth story where others celebrate in the joy and share the joy and fellowship with the joy. But there's a dark side that then begins in this parable. There's people that are grumbling. They're not joyful. They're not fellowshipping in the joy. They're not joyful, but they're complainers. The Pharisees and the others here as they were faulting Jesus for eating and parting with sinners. So Jesus tells us about the older brother who has done more or less what the the father had wanted, but seems to have done it from a very stony heart. As is evident by his behavior and attitude when his brother returns. And so he complains to the father. And the father turns and says, son, you've always been with me. Everything I've had has always been yours. But we had to celebrate because your brother of yours was dead and is now alive. He was lost, but now he is found. It's time to party, son. Now Jesus was saying two things. The first thing, he is giving us the reason why the parting is going on. There is something going on at the very heart of God in the celebration of a sinner repenting. The party going on down here is because the party is going on up there. And when heaven and earth come together in this party, there is the expression of joy in heaven that is communicated in which we participate in. When the Father parties in heaven, the Son parties on earth. There's a correspondence between heaven's joy and earth to those who see it and hear it and live in the heavenly realm. That's the first thing that's going on here. The reason why there's a party. But there's another thing that Jesus is saying here, and And that is a sign of the resurrection. Life, new creation, the heavens and the earth coming together. This new beginning, this new age. This brother, the son, was dead and now he is alive. He was lost and now he is found. These are overtones back into the Old Testament and other passages 
like Ezekiel 37 and some of the prophecy of Jeremiah and Isaiah and some in the other prophets of what the restoration of Israel will look like when Messiah comes. What is the exile from Babylon going to really look like? What is the true return of Israel to God? The prodigal son is the story of Israel going off to Babylon and apparently being completely lost and, and then coming back once again. And Jesus would say, the resurrection is happening underneath your noses. And you can't see it. You can't hear it. See, biblical joy is an expression of the participation in heavenly joy. When we're challenged or we're going through sorrows of life or tribulations, through trials and suffering in the old age. We find joy in seeing and hearing and participate in what is going on in the new age. Because in Christ, we are a part of this heavenly realm. This is a part of living by faith and not by sight. As we live now, we participate in heaven's joy. The joy we have does not originate in us. Rather, it is a participation in another's joy. The joy of Christ. The joy of God. The joy of heaven itself. And the joy of angels where heaven and earth come together. That's true joy. Joy comes in thinking into that world and living in into that world that God recreated in Christ Jesus. See, the new heavens and the new earth are not yet still somewhere afar off. They had begun in the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, and you're a part of that new creation. Behold, all things have been passed away. All things have been made new to you. You are a new creature in Christ. As heaven rejoices, we join with their joy. When heaven throws a party, we celebrate accordingly. Joy is a heavenly virtue communicated here on earth to those who live by faith, who can see the heavenly realities of that new age that has come. And that's why we see joy here coupled with celebration in heaven. That's why we see here the reference in every one of these parables about heaven's joy. And the reference here of a father joying in the son. And angels rejoicing over repentant sinners. Therefore we joy and we join in with this because heaven does. We are simply participating in somebody else's joy. And we see the celebration coupled together, heaven and earth, and that's what Christ is. He is the new temple. He, he then joins heaven and earth together through His resurrected body, and the angels rejoiced when Jesus was born. And they come and they share that with the shepherds, and the shepherds believed what they said. 
They believe the angels, and so they enter into the fellowship of heaven's joy, and off to Bethlehem they ran. And so while joy is a heavenly virtue, it is a fruit of the Spirit, we can rejoice and have this joy as we participate in heaven's celebrations. Well, Marion, what about suffering? How can you talk about all this joy in the midst of all of the suffering that we endure in this world? There's sufferings all over the place. Sufferings are going on just down the road in Kentucky today. Sufferings are going on in persecuted Christians. But those two in this world living in the new age now, but also while still dwelling in the old, sufferings and joy will go together in this world for Christians and every Christian. God does not allow the Christian to suffer without also the accompanying joy. The old age which is passing away, full of suffering and death, and yet also the new age overlap. And that is why we have to dwell and and live and see in the heavenly realm and live accordingly here on the earth. We have a work and a ministry to do in this old age, and, and we will suffer immensely for it. But there's also joy that always accompanies the suffering. There's always a purpose in the suffering. The New Testament is full of examples where suffering and joy go hand in hand. And the world cannot comprehend this. This is not something that the world can understand. It is not something you can understand apart from the Spirit, and it is not something you can experience apart from walking in the Spirit. This is a supernatural virtue. But the life of Jesus expresses this, and and He tells us and He bids us to follow Jesus in this way, in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who has gone before us and paved the way that we should walk ahead of time behind Him, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was a man of sorrows. But Jesus was a man of great joy. The early disciples who took a beating for preaching Christ in the very early part of their ministry. In Acts 5 it says, So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. The Apostle Paul lived so much in the heavenly realm while here on earth he could say in 2 Corinthians 6.10 as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. See, the key to joy in rejoicing this life when we suffer is to participate in heaven's joy of the new age. (laughs) Living by faith always has an eschatological aspect. I know that's a, a big, long word, but it means that which is future that God has revealed and promised, we live in the light of that as the reality. 
We live today in our present circumstances, even through suffering, by participating in the new age, the heavenly realm, which has not yet come to fullness here on the earth. But we celebrate nonetheless in the fact that it is coming and heaven's joy and the fullness of those things are ours to participate in even now. Even now. This is why what Peter is saying in 1 Peter 4, verse 12 and 13, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing is happening to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, and when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceedingly joy. You can rejoice now in the participation of Christ's sufferings because of the eschatological aspect of what that is going to be in fullness. But now you can still participate in heaven's joy by faith if you live in this realm of the new age. Christian sufferings and joy will always go together in this life. But one day the joy will be unaccompanied by its counterpart, and every tear and sorrow will be vanquished. Joy and celebration come in the seeing and the hearing and the living in the heavenly realm by faith. The new age, the realm of joy. And when the shepherds came to Bethlehem that night, they saw a baby lying in a manger, just as the angels had said. But why such a cause for such rejoicing over this newborn baby? They've seen newborn babies before. But why this? Because they could see and hear who this baby was and what he was about. They participated in heaven's joy. They brought in the eschatological future into their presence and experienced it by faith. They had long anticipated it. He is born. His work was not yet done. But they could express and join in with the heavenly realm of great joy because they brought that eschatological joy into their present future. What did they do after they went and saw the babe? It says, when they'd seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. They couldn't help themselves. They went spreading the joy. And heavenly joy here on earth expresses itself in praise. It invites others into this joy because it's a joy itself is a virtue that wants to be shared. That's why the woman, when she finds her coin, invites others into this joy. That's why when the man finds his lost sheep, he invites others into the celebration. And when others enter into the joy, it brings joy full circle and it satisfies the, set, the celebration. This is what's going on between heaven and earth. 
There's a mutual communication of the virtues in the heavenly realm so that God's will is done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray for. That's what's going on in the shepherd's joy. That's what's going on at Jesus' parties when He's feasting with repentant sinners. He so much lives in the heavenly realm even while His feet are planted on this earth that he can feast with sinners and join in with the angels that are rejoicing so as heaven and earth comes together. It's just one big party. In this fallen world so torn by sin, we've got a lot of work to do. A lot of ministry. Work for which we will suffer if we're faithful. But yet work and also that we can rejoice in in that suffering. But we have to be so immersed in the new age that has already dawned. The heavenly realm. By walking by faith, seeing what is to come and living today in light of that reality. Bringing the future into our present experience by faith. So that heaven and earth come together. That we might be a channel of heavenly celebrations. Inviting others into the great joy of Christ. And we can be like the Pharisees and the scribes and the others who complained. They were so immersed in the old age, they were unable to see, much less live in the new age. You know, if they were living today, they would probably just be immersed, saturated with Fox News and all the other worldly reports, figuring out what all of the answers are and complaining that none of it's going right. Or they could be invited to rejoice along with heaven and what God is doing here in Jesus Christ through His Son who is reigning today over the affairs of the world and so united to His church that is working in this world that it is a church that is triumphant. And we can join in heaven's joy even while we're going to suffer in the sufferings of Christ in the process. We can be so immersed in the new age, that we can see and hear and live in the heavenly realm. And that's what it means to trust the Word of God and to see the promises and to see them being lived out in vision and so walk accordingly today, knowing that tomorrow it is going to come to pass. Where heaven and earth come together in Jesus. And the celebration in heaven is what God is doing, and that is worthy of our joy here on earth. Let heaven's joy be contagious to your spirit in Christ this season. Let's pray. Our Father, as we long to have a greater capacity to rejoice in everything that's going on here, we confess that our eyes are turned too easily to the wind and the waves that blow around us and we lose our step and we begin to sink. We forget that we were walking on water as we were heading toward the Savior. Doing things that are unnatural and doing things uncommon. Doing 
that which Jesus bid us to do by His power. Grant it, O Lord, that we would see and behold the glory of Jesus Christ and so be changed from glory to glory to His likeness. To celebrate in heaven's joy. To marvel with the angels at what God is doing here. To look forward to the complete fullness of the new heavens and new earth, but so live today in the light of that fullness so we would be faithful in all the virtues that heaven gives us. Love. Joy. Peace. As we join in and we participate in another's joy, in heaven's joy itself. So may we feast today because heaven is feasting. May the two be joined together, even in the sacrament at the table before us, that as we eat with great joy today, we give you thanks for the work of Christ, knowing when He comes back that the table set before us will be the same, but we will see it with our eyes and no longer in faith. We thank You, Father, for providing such a table for us. And may the joy in heaven today that is expressed by the angels also be joined in with our tongues from hearts full of praise. No matter what circumstance, trials, or sufferings we may be enduring today, give us a taste of the eschatological future in glory with Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.